This is Straight Ahead with the 606 Club of London and David Lewis. There was a time not so long ago they were all around Asking for more and leading me nuts right to the ground I would have dreamed about some rest It wasn't a part of what they had assessed Another round It all started So close beyond their will to the Hall of Fame. I was so close that I never entered, and that's a shame. And they were still pushing up the bidding, never took care the way I was living. I just broke down. So I booked a flight to a secret aisle. Not sure it was a flight. Show and to fly abroad. 
This week's 606 Club Straight Ahead Show with me, David Lewis. So getting things underway for us this week was the Ron Getz Foundation, featuring the vocals of Gregory Porter and Go Go Soul. Our guest on the show this week is the golden girl of jazz, saxophonist Camilla George, and we'll be hearing the first part of her interview at around about 10.30. But uh, next up, I've got something from celebrated British pianist and composer Jason Rebello, whose career really started a flourish when he came to the attention of Weather Report saxophonist Wayne Short, no less. Here, going back to 1995 in his album Make It Real, Featuring Joy Rose, this is compared to what? Thank you. 
along with the wonderful piano work of Jason Rebello from the album Make It Real and compared to what? I've got a really interesting cover for you next actually from French Grammy-nominated artist Cyril Amy and she's been termed by the New York Times as a rising star in the galaxy of jazz singers and this is her version of Michael Jackson's Off The Wall. When the world is on your shoulder Gotta straighten up your act and boogie down If you can't hang with the feeling Then there ain't no room for you this part of town Cause we're the party people night and day Living crazy, that's the only way So tonight Gotta leave that nine to five upon the shelf And just enjoy yourself Groove Let the madness and the music get to you Life ain't so bad at all if you live it off the wall You can shout out all you want to Cause there ain't no sin and folks all getting loud If you take the chance and do it Then there ain't no one who's gonna put you down Cause we're the party people night and day To you, life ain't so bad at all if you live it all. attention earlier this week and that's Cyril Amy and Off the Wall. Got some wonderful, wonderful music between now and the end of the show so I hope you can keep me company. Of course we'll be playing something from Buddy Rich as we always do another live recording from Ronnie Scott's. Next though we've got Joe Downard with Terror. Mm-hmm. 
was Terror, a track lifted from Joe Danard's debut album. He's a bass player, and the uh, new album is called Seven Japanese Tales, and that particular track featured the trumpet of James Copus. There's some other wonderful musicians on there as well, including Alex Hitchcock on the tenor, and uh, James Copus, as I mentioned, on the trumpet, Will Barry on the piano, Rupert Cox is on the synth, and Felix Ambach is on drums. Next, we're going over to another cover on this week's show. It's by the Umo Jazz Orchestra, and you might remember this originally by D'Angelo. This is Brown Sugar.
We have been playing some really interesting covers on the show so far this week, haven't we? And that was the Umo Jazz Orchestra and their take on D'Angelo's Brown Sugar. So as we get ready to welcome onto the show saxophonist Camilla George, I thought we should uh, maybe go over to another saxophonist, a multi-instrumentalist, uh, best known though as a tenor and flute player. This is Youssef Latif and Like It Is.
Youssef Latif with, amongst others, Hugh Lawson on the piano, Kenny Burrell on the guitar and Cecil McBee on the bass. And we just listened to Like It Is. So it's time that we meet this week's guest, Camilla George. And we're going to start off the interview with one of her tracks and we're going to listen to Lunacity. If you want to know what's happening at The Six, check out the website at 606club.co.uk. Thank you. 
So, this week on our series of interviews, I'm glad to say we've got the Golden Girl of Jazz, MOBO-nominated Camilla. Camilla, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. So, thank you for getting in touch and uh, getting us on the show together. I've been looking forward to interviewing you, and uh, there's lots of work I want to cover with you, but uh, maybe we should start back at the the beginning with the, the young Camilla. You were born in Nigeria, I believe, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. And was that just as a sort of a mark on the birth certificate, or did you actually grow up there and spend some time there as a youngster? I spent some time there. Um, well, basically, we, the plan was to live there, but my dad's uh, Grenadian, mm-hmm. and he was actually deported. So <laughs> that was the end of that. So we came, we came back to, to England. My parents like, met in, in England. And then you came over here what sort of age? Uh, I was really young. I came over here when I was three. Oh, so and then, yeah. Most of your growing up's all been here then. All in West London. Yeah. A West London girl. So w- when you were over here and you were going to school and so on, did music stand out to you? Is that something that just resonated with you as a youngster? Um, yeah, I always, I think I was always into music. I was very lucky. My dad had a huge um, record collection. And every Sunday we used to listen to vinyl. So oh. he introduced me to Sonny Stitz, Danny Tarantine, etc. So I was, yeah. So was he a, a sax man there? You mentioned obviously two saxophonists straight off the bat. Was he a sax man? He apparently had a saxophone. Um, mm. It's a shame because I think he obviously got rid of it when he was uh, courting my mum. Apparently that was one of the, the lines, but um, he couldn't play it, sadly. But his dad was a saxophone player. Right. He was a jazz saxophone. So, so maybe there was something locked away in the DNA there. So you began listening to jazz at a young age then. And so it was around the house and kind yeah. of infused you. And did yeah. You, and did you start to have lessons at school? Yeah, I mean, I was... I was, that was quite a fluke because when I was eight, um, a friend of my mum's had a saxophone in her flat because her boyfriend at the time had a tenor sax and she'd been trying to get a sound out of it and she couldn't. And I went round and was like, oh, can I have a go? <laughs> and then got the sound out of it and really wanted to play sax from them. But I was at that stage too young. Now kids are starting much younger, but it was too, I was too small. So I had to do things like recorder, et cetera. But when I got to secondary school, uh, they had a music competition where you could win music lessons. And I won lessons and chose sax. And that was it. And that was right. Because if, if people may not have held a saxophone, it's actually quite a weighty instrument. When you were saying that when, when you were young, it is actually quite a weighty instrument to hold, isn't it? Even with the sling, it's still quite a cumbersome bit of kit. Yeah, it is. I mean, nowadays I've got several very young players who are really good, actually. And the reason why they can do it is because they have lighter saxophones mm-hmm. now, lighter mm-hmm. beginner saxes, which they didn't have then. So you won this music competition. That was the start of your musical journey, was it? You started off on alto? Yeah, yeah. I've more or less always played alto. I had a brief flirtation with tenor, but went back to alto. I think it might be because I listened to loads of Jackie McLean <laughs> and Sonny Stitt on alto. Mm. Um, I obviously listened to him on tenor as well, but I think mainly the albums that we had was him playing alto. So that's that's resonated so with me. That were your influences, and probably as a youngster, you're beginning to pick up their licks, their styles, and so on on the alto. And I dare say that may have had an influence on you. Yeah, I think it's 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 the timbre, the the the, the sounds. There's something about it that I like. I love tenor, but there was something that I was like, yeah, I knew I wanted to be an alto player rather than a tenor player. And then through those years, uh, did you play in local county bands, or did you do the Nigel roots? What were you doing as a youngster once you'd found your feet in within music? 
Well, um, at school, we had a school uh, jazz band, which I was involved with. But <laughs> as soon as I got my sax, more or less, we went to see um, Jazz Jamaica. I went with my mum mm-hmm. and went to see them at Harrow Art Centre. And I went backstage and got to meet Dennis Baptiste and then Gary Crosby and Janine Irons. And they were just really nice. And I said, you know, I was like, she's just got this sax. And they just said, you know, you need to come to the Warriors, tomorrow's Warriors, you need to come and and join this organization of mm-hmm. people. And um, yeah, they really shaped my musical career. I did do other stuff. Um you know, like borrow music stuff, but really it was the worries that were the leading light. Lightning. And so you joined them, I'm guessing, what, as a quite a young teenage, would that be right? Uh, no, I was uh, 11, 12 oh, when I started. Um, very and, young. Yeah, yeah, going, dropping in on their stuff, yeah. And so um, reading up on you before we started the interview, I know you ended up at Trinity, one of the conservatoires in London. How did all that come about for you? Well, again, that was Gary Crosby. Um, I've been playing what was really weird was because one of the first gigs I went to see was Jazz Jamaica and then eventually I got into the band and um, well, I'd been playing with them for a couple of years and Gary said you know you should really do a master's um, and I thought yeah why not and he said you know we have this a lot of uh, the worries um, people are going to Trinity um, so I thought well, I may as well audition. So mm. I auditioned for that and got in. Is <laughs> that was that? So you say a master's? Had you done a degree prior to that? Then prior to going to Trinity, I had, yeah. But um, very similarly, it's actually where how I met Soweto. I went to Birmingham, and I did history. I did ancient and medieval oh, so it wasn't music history. at Birmingham. Didn't do didn't do a music degree. No, because I think mainly because my because my granddad was a sax player. My dad knew the lifestyle. Mm. He uh, there was. It wasn't pressure. I was academic and I enjoyed history, but it was a sense of that might be a bit more sensible to get that degree. If I had to go back, I don't know whether I'd change it actually, because it was nice to do something other than music before becoming so involved in the music world. To broaden out your horizons and fields, obviously. Yeah. So then the um, masters that you did at Trinity, was that a jazz masters or was it performance? Yeah, it's a jazz um, master's. I can't remember what the title is. Now, <laughs> was that a, well, yeah. Often masters are just for one year. Is that the case for yourself? No, I did it part time. So I did it over two years, I think. Um, as quite a few people did actually. The one year um, intensive. I, I don't mm-hmm. think there was a couple of people that did that. And obviously, some of the tutors that you encounter, let alone the other students you're with, some of the, the tutors are some of the best around, aren't they? Who are the guys and that were there for you at that time? Well, I was very lucky um, because, again, through the worries, I had been introduced to Shanti Son, who had been my saxophone teacher since I was about 14. Mm. Um, and luckily, he was actually at Trinity. So, I mean, I just switched yeah, to having lessons with him at school rather mm-hmm. than privately. Did have some lessons with Julian Siegel. They were great. And um, yeah, there are other people like Martin Speak, etc. But I think for me, my the the tutor that I learned the most from was Jean Toussaint because he's a ridiculous player. But also I think what's interesting with him is that you know, he has that lineage of playing with Art Blakey. Blakey, yeah. Yeah, of course, with Warriors. And that obviously comes through. I've spoken to, I think, one or two other students of his, and they've all said the same thing. It's that lineage that takes you in direct link to some of the greatest jazz that's been made. 
Yeah, exactly. And so while you were at Birmingham, um, were you still playing out in gigs up there? Were you in bands? Um, yeah, I did. I knew a few people from the conservatory and they were very nice. They, they used to let me come and sit in on some of the lectures. Um, and then I got, I knew Soweto. Mm-hmm. So I had a few lessons with him. I knew him through Gary and Janine. Soweto Kinch, of course, I'm just mentioning. Yes, people Soweto picking Kinch, up on who the Soweto, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then obviously you moved back to London and then yeah. did you make, uh, were there many of co- colleagues that you now still play with that you met in your time at Trinity? Were there other students that you immediately gelled with and formed bands with or gigged with in London? Yeah, I mean, I was lucky when I was at Trinity, there were loads of warriors right. at Tomorrow's Warriors groups there. There is, it is a family and we are all connected. Um, so I definitely play with them. Um, the other saxophone player who auditioned straight after me, um, Tom Harrison, we've become uh, very firm friends. Um, we've played together a bit. He helped me out on, um, did a huge amount of work for me on my first album, um, Isang. Isang, which I was going to talk about in a few minutes' time. And uh, obviously, if we just talk about the current times before we begin talking about your album, with the lockdown, mm. though, fell upon us all in March. How did that affect you? I believe you were planning another album, weren't you? Was, I'm assuming that got put on hold. Had it got as far as studio time for the new album or not? Um, I was looking into arranging the rehearsals and trying to book in the studio. Um, but actually, I mean, lockdown helped a bit because I had been quite busy before lockdown. Mm-hmm. And I've just, I think the tunes are finished more or less now we had we actually had our first rehearsal um on saturday physically in the studio together physically yeah Yeah. um with the core bands um Mm -hmm. not with the extended people yet and um it was nice it's wicked to play with those people it's just this time has given me uh the lockdown gave me the time to sort the album out and to have a really strong uh idea will it be an item of all original pieces it's all original, yeah. And all written by yourself? All written by me, yeah. And so the lineup of the band, you've already got that in mind. You say the core of the band, you've got that very much in, in mind, have you? Yeah, I've tipped the same band more or less since we began. Um, it's Dan Casimir, Sarah Tandy and Winston Clifford, who took over, over from um, Femi mm-hmm. when Femi became too busy with Ezra. And what happens about the, the mastering and the engineering? Do you take care of that yourself? Is that something that you feel comfortable with or...? Uh, no, that's always been something that I've got people to do. The last album, um, actually, the mixing was done by amazing Robin Malarkey, uh, the bass player. He's fantastic. Um, he did such a good job. And then um, the mastering was done at Air Studios. I really love um, what the what sound they, they give did. you. Yeah. So through the lockdown, good. I know you said it's actually been advantageous in so far as your brain's been able to focus on writing and finishing original pieces for this next album. What have you done to keep yourself busy though? Because obviously there's been no gigs. Have you been doing online performances? Have you been tutoring online with students? Yeah, it's a mixture. I had a, a lockdown live stream with Sirius. Um, I don't know. It's been a month and a half ago now. Um, I've done one other lockdown live stream mm-hmm. i've been teaching quite a bit um and practice um you're able to I, practice are you it's not been a problem uh n- well 
it, uh, up until very recently, I was using a very expensive practice mute, um, which was very heavy, but it did reduce the sound, which meant I could practice in my third floor flat. Which... I'd be interested to talk to you about it. I've got my daughter's a, a, st- a student. She just got a first in, in jazz and she's a tenor player. So I know what it's mm-hmm. like having a sax player around the house. And that's why I was saying to you, were you able to practice? Because it's, it's not a neighbor friendly instrument, is it? No, um, it's not. And as much as some people are, oh, I'd love to hear. They don't want to hear because they don't want to hear that you're doing your long tones long or whatever. <laughs> exactly. So, that, yeah, um, yeah that, that's, uh, that mute, I got it just before I heard about lockdown and it was literally the last one left at sax.co.uk and it, it cost about £400. I mean, it was a big investment. Then, big investment, yeah. It's a big investment, but it, I knew that was the only way I was going to be able to practice. And now, luckily, my practice studios are open and it's like a dream to be yeah. able to go there. Absolutely.
mentioned, we started off the interview with Lunacity and the track we've just finished listening to there on that part of the interview, the first part of the interview, was A Night of a Thousand Eyes, both tracks that you'll find on the Isang album that uh, we heard Camilla talk about in that part of the interview. And we'll hear more from Camilla in just a little while's time. Next up, though, we've got some Gerald Clayton and Future Reflection. Thank you. 
feature reflection from pianist Gerald Clayton. You'll find that on his third studio album called Life Form. He's got some lovely, lovely music still to come, some beautiful ballads towards the end of the second hour, so I hope you can stay with me all the way through. But uh, next to play, we have got trumpeter, uh, composer, arranger and educator, currently living over in San Francisco, talking about Eric Jacobson and his sex tech, got a new album out called One Note at a Time, and we're going to listen to Full House. Listen online, on DAB and on smart speakers. Straight ahead with London's leading music venue, The 606 Club. Thank you. 
The album, One Note at a Time, was uh, recorded, believe it or not, just one day, and uh, it's released on the Wide Hive Records label, and the track we just listened to was Full House. Amongst others, Eric has played with the likes of John Mayer and Kamazi Washington also. So back to our guest for this week, Camilla George. We're going to start with another one of her tracks, Carrying the Runnings Away. Thank you. 
so now then, are you beginning to think that uh, gigs will factor back into your equation sometime later in the year, do you think? Or maybe some outdoor gigs in the summer? I know it's not easy being a horn player doing outdoor gigs, but... Uh... Well, um, I think all the festivals are out for the summer because they had to make that decision quite early on, mm. way before Boris came with his uh, updates, mm. regulations. Um, I do have some gigs in the la- later part of the year. I think it's just a who knows as to whether they'll they'll happen because we don't know if, if there's another spike, then I'm guessing they won't happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it will be looking at 2021 as being getting back into actual playing. So you know, touring of, as much. Yeah, and of course, what you were saying about the new album, it makes sense in so many ways to hold it over to next year because you can actually tour the album then and sell physical copies at gigs. And as we know, that's where you make the majority of mm. your money, isn't it? And I mentioned at the head of the interview, of course, you've been MOBO nominated, haven't you, as well, which must be a, a real privilege for you. Well, yeah. Well, it was, it was me and the rest of um, Jazz Jamaica. We got that, remember, I can't remember what year that was, Twenty. 12 2013 yeah mm. unfortunately we didn't get to go to the ceremony but um <laughs> but it's good on the cv it's nominated no one can take that yeah, away from you true, true. and the next album that you're about to release will that be on the same label i know you're with ubuntu will that still be with them yeah i mean i think at, at the moment like people um i think it's just a case of um no one knows what the vibe is mm. now and i don't know whether they're released whether they're in a situation uh, position to release albums or or whether you know i think a lot of companies have been hit so for me i, I guess i haven't thought about uh, the releasing so much as the focus uh in these next few weeks is just getting the getting the, getting the music yeah, down. yeah 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 and getting so with the guys in the studio again yeah, and I'm trying to get a producer because it's a different. Um, uh, there's some like a slight neo soul aspect to it, so I, it does need. I do need a producer. Are certain things I don't. I don't know enough about, and mm-hmm. I want to do that. I'll, the music justice. And actually, a question I've not asked. I don't think on the show before is the actual mechanics of releasing an album. Briefly, could you past? writing the material, which we said you clearly do, getting the guys in the studio. What goes on past there? What's the actual mechanics of getting it out to us, be it on a streaming platform, physically? Because I know it's not an easy task to arrange and, and it's a costly task as well. So what's kind of the, the yeah. steps towards a release? Um, well, obviously you get, your, you get your material recorded, mixed and mastered, and then you are, you'll have a timeline. So you'll need to get that... Um, you know, the physical copies done, that takes a while. Vinyl takes a long time. There's often quite a long wait for vinyl to be um, produced. And then you'll need time to get that to the distributors mm. and to get it to the streaming platforms. platforms. And then you need the PR campaign because there's absolutely no point really in in not investing in PR because it's just you put all that money into yeah. album you or record label and then if you don't promote it properly then it's not gonna it'll flop and with, with what I've understand with that is that it's quite long lead times for some of the bigger publications you know they're looking at three months in advance so you can't just drop it and then give it to them because you're not going to get it's not going to happen yeah the press isn't going to coincide with when you release it absolutely and what you like with social media is that side of the business you enjoy the promotion side 
Yeah, I'm, I'm getting more into it. Um, I, I like it. I use Instagram a lot. Um, Facebook, I don't use as much for my personal page, but I have an artist page, which I update, mm-hmm. um, and Twitter. Yeah, I, I think, to be honest, I think with the way that Corona's hit, um, everybody, every artist really has to work at trying to improve mm. the social media profiles. It's really not a beast that sleeps, is it? Once you need to keep feeding it and make sure that your profile is high because it's part of what you do. You need to sell the yeah. product that you've got and you know make sure your name's at the top of the list to be seen and your records to be bought. It's a very important aspect of the job, isn't it? Yeah. If we talk about the uh, first album, the Esang album, which I know had Zara McFarlane uh, as a guest yeah. vocalist, and she's, I think, just released some more material recently. Yeah, she has. So yeah. do you and Zara go back some time? or We do, yeah. We go right way back. I've known Zara for a long time long time um yeah it was when she was in the warriors mm-hmm. um when she was coming through the warriors um that really was the breeding both, ground for you wasn't it? it keeps going back to the warriors a big part of your life it, it is and i think it's a massive part for a lot of musicians on on the on the uk i was gonna say just london but actually some people used to come from birmingham like reuben james when he was coming to the warriors he was living in birmingham so you know they're really it, they really do extend. But yeah, we met there and we played in Jazz Jamaica um, together and we've been friends since then, yeah. I mean, she's she's amazing. She's literally one of my favourite vocalists. And will um, she be part of the next album or do you have any vocalists on this album coming up? I do have a vocalist, but it's not a fe- uh, female. Well, Sharice Adams Burnett's going to be doing a little bit and uh, Renato Paris. I like to change, change things up. Also, Zara's quite busy um, mm. as well. She's, yeah, this new album's going to be amazing. I can see the enthusiasm in your face, actually, as yeah. we talk about it. You're, you're, you're yeah. chomping to get out there and just get to it, aren't you? Get back in the studios yeah. with yeah. the guys. I'm sure you've been trying to practice remotely, but until particularly with jazz, it's a case of being face-to-face very much, isn't it, and feeling the vibe? Yeah, it is. And also there's a lot of stuff that I'd I'd kind of written and done my own backing tracks so I could hear what it sounded like with a band. But then of course, you know, people are not computers, so mm. it's nice to hear how humans actually bring the music to life. Yes, and uh, that is the important point of the practice sessions as much as anything. So you know that the, the album, you understand the pieces. So when you do begin going out touring, the band are cohesive and understand what you are trying to express as well. Yeah, I think it's also because I'm, I'm guess, again going to be releasing on vinyl, not exclusively on vinyl, um, but that does give a, um, it's a time limit. You have a 45-minute limit with a vinyl, yeah. um, unless you want to then pay to make it double, double which I think in these uh, financial situations at the moment, I don't think I'll be going for a double vinyl. So, um yeah, it's kind of thinking like this arrangement will be for a live show, but for the album, we're going to play it like this. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we spoke of your practice sessions a short while ago. How do you actually structure your practice at this point in your career? I mean, we mentioned the long tones, long notes and so on. I know they're kind of the, the, the bread and butter, but particularly with an album coming up, will you structure your practice around what you know you've got in mind coming up? Um, I think I've always I've done the same thing. I think good thing about going to a music conservatoire is it teaches you how to teach yourself mm-hmm. to improve. So I always have to say, I have a practice journal. I do the same thing. You know, I do an hour on sound, an hour on technique, um, and then I'll do my transcription practice. Because I still think that's, I think it's really important, um, practicing language. 
And then I'll look at my gig stuff or album stuff and I'll go through. I'll make sure I do composition every day when mm. I practice um, so that I'm continuing to stretch myself and, and write more as well. So and that writing is something you clearly enjoy and have got a passion for. Yeah, I do enjoy it. Um, I, but I, I find sometimes it comes easily and sometimes it doesn't, which is why I like to make myself do it. Mm-hmm. every day so oh, that yeah. so you keep the you keep your hand in as it were so yeah it's not something that's alien to you yeah and then i was just going to mention that people should also take a look at your website of course which is camillageorge.com the information's on there about your history and what you've been up to and albums and photos and so on and eventually when we get back to getting some gigs on there i hope that's the plan certainly isn't it so and you mentioned about students so how's that been teaching online was that an alien thing to begin to take on or has it actually worked out quite well for you yeah, I mean, I think it's quite excited at first and um, it's nice to, obviously nice, it's a good way of earning money as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I'd say about it is it's quite tiring um, after a full day or, of um, teaching people. It's the screen time that's mm-hmm. tiring. I think they say that it's the fact that you can see your face mm-hmm. that makes you tired. I don't know why, but um, that's, yeah, it's found it quite quite tiring it's something we've all become a bit more adept to over the last three or four months isn't it seeing our faces looking back at us on screens it's uh, yeah going to be one yeah. of the, the sign uh, trademarks of this year which has been the strangest of strange years hasn't it yeah it's definitely been a weird year yeah so, and so you're still very much london based i take it so you're right in the heartland of all the gig scene when it does get going again yeah i live in west london um yeah i, I hope so i i hope it things get going and we don't lose clubs no i know they're all struggling they're all up against it but hopefully somehow they'll find ways of getting through i know uh for instance the six that are behind this show they you know they're live streaming now every friday and saturday and it's again it's a way of getting revenue for some of the artists and creating a little bit of revenue for the club but more than anything i think it's just a platform to get the artists back out there to begin to get gigs again i know it's odd for you not having an audience in front of you but it's mm. the best we can do for the time being, isn't it? The uh, the release for artists at the moment seems to be very, very odd. Uh, not making this political at all, but it, it seems so multifaceted. I can't quite understand where we're at, you know, that you can have a theatre open, but you can't have people in there to perform. It's, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's making it very difficult, but um, yeah. Far from simple, isn't it? But uh, I keep hearing the updates on because my ears, I'm sure, like yours, when they talk about the arts being released, you want to know how and why, but it still is far from straightforward, isn't it? But yeah, it is. We can only hope. So, have you got any major plans before the end of the year? I mean, the album you're hoping to get recorded, I take it before the end of 2020? Yeah, so that's the big plan. Um, it's just getting, getting on with the rehearsals. As you mentioned, the issue with that is um, it's fine with the core band, mm-hmm. but there are there's quite a lot of stuff to think about um, in terms of finding a suitable space for a fuller band. How many piece band will it be ultimately then? Well, it's fluid at the moment, but I have obviously there's the the core four two singers. Um, I've got another drummer, but he's going to record remotely from the US. He's a hip hop guy. Um, that was my next question, co- actually. Was it a UK band or not? But it's an international band then. Well, he's the only one that makes it. No, actually, no. The um, core player um, is Senegalese. Um, so, yeah, no, it's it's quite 
pets and then I've got a horn section. Mm-hmm. So it's um, it's a big old band. So mm-hmm. at the moment, I think we'd struggle to do a full rehearsal with everybody, mm-hmm. um, which is fine because we just started rehearsing. So maybe when we get to that point, things will change again. Well, let's hope so. We all need a little break of luck and uh, looking forward to new music as well. And I must say, through the course of this year, you artists have been amazing in keeping new music coming to us, be it through the live streams or as you're doing now, record writing, recording material ready for us. And it's, it's been an absolute essence of food because we've, we've all been stuck at home so much. We've needed something. Yeah. So you guys have been amazing in keeping us <laughs> kind of sane. So I just hope you can get back out onto your stage again and doing what is in your lifeblood and what you're there to do. And performing, yeah, I take too. it, is a, is a big part of your life. You love performing, right? Yeah, it is. Um, it's very sad not to be able to f- perform. And I was lucky to be touring a lot. Mm. I'm getting to see the world. And that's, yeah, it's, it's re- strange, really, to be in the same place for, for such so a long. long time. <laughs> yeah. Well, Camilla, I know that we'll be uh, finding out about your album all over social media. So I'll be keeping an eye on Instagram. And maybe when it's released, we can get you back on for another chat about it then, possibly. Brilliant. Yeah, Sounds I'd love to do that. Good. So go check out the website, camillageorge.com, and Camilla's with double L. It's uh, a lot of details on there about her. And we'll be playing some music from Camilla throughout the course of the show this week. So, Camilla George, many thanks indeed for your time. Wicked. Thank you. Thank you, Camilla.
another track that you'll find on Camilla's album, The People Could Fly album. We just listened to He Lion Brew Bear, Brew Rabbits. It's a wonderful lineup on the album as well. Of course, Camilla is on the alto. You've got Sarah Tandy on piano and Rhodes, Daniel Casimir on the bassist, Femi Coloso on drums, Winston Clifford is also on the drums on the album, Omar, no less, and uh, Cherise Adams Burnett are doing vocals, Shirley Tete on guitar, and Quentin Collins is on the trumpet. All but one of the tracks on the album are original compositions too, and you can find those on all the normal platforms. So, we have got some classic Nina Simone now coming up from 1967. Straight Ahead with David Lewis. Simone, I wish I knew how it would to be free. So whilst uh, British pianist Luke Smith was in hospital fighting for his life in COVID-19, he knew it was about time that he got his next album finished up. The album is called It's Time, and we've got a track from that now, which features David McFraw from Blue Lab Beats, and the track we're about to listen to is called New Dawn. 
on Vibes. We've got David McCraw from Blue Lab Beats along with Virtuoso pianist Luke Smith from his new album It's Time and the track we just listened to is New Dawn. So in a few hours time later on today on Thursday you can go over to 606club.co.uk and get your seat. We've got another live stream coming and this time it is one of undoubtedly the stars of the future on sax got Alex Hitchcock and if you go over to as I said 606club.co.uk create yourself a free account there and you can buy your ticket and watch Alex. It's going to be a great gig. I'm going to try and tune into that myself. So on to a live recording now. Judy Jackson live in London with a beautiful song like a fool. Please. 
agree judy jackson and that's like a fool and from one fine live recording to another it's time for buddy's bit i've made you wait a little bit this week and uh, pete spargo who wrote the sleeve notes on the album very alive at ronnie scott's said it must go down as one of the finest live recordings ever this album buddy's band is obviously notorious for their live sets and this is a stunning album and the beautiful number that we're going to play on straight head this week is st mark square <laughs> Thank you. 
tracks for you there first of all it was buddy's bit and we listened to a track from the, the very live at ronnie scott's club and it was a st mark's square special day with features from lynn biavano on the trumpet and bruce paulson was on the trombone and the track that just followed up behind that the rather beautiful shirley horn and i love him don't forget to check out the website of our guest of this week camilla george it is camillageorge.com as simple as that some great information about her there and of course you can pick up our albums too and our guest on next week's show will be trumpeter and singer georgina jackson and that's all to come on the show next week thank you for your company over the last couple of hours i hope you enjoyed the music and i look forward to being back with you next week so playing us out of the show this week is alan skidmore and after the rain mm-hmm.